being in the U.S. and being a U.S. national, the habit that I was always taught in school and that took me a while to become aware of was when you write the date, you write the date with the month, the day, and then the year. And of course, the rest of the world doesn't do that. But in the U.S., we do. Now, okay. now uh, the, the question then becomes, why do we do that? Is there a cultural piece to that? And it makes me think of the, the whole cultural phenomenon of when you are speaking of your own culture and you are in your culture, it's sometimes very hard for people to appreciate that the things that they do can seem so different to people outside of their culture. Mm. I'm sorry, are you still talking over there? Or <laughs> <laughs> Because I'm reminded by my European colleagues, for example, that, uh -huh. you know, the, the, if I write um, 8 for 2021 for them, they're reading that as the eighth day of April. When I'm right. meaning the fourth day right. of August. Okay. Yeah. And, you know, if you do something as simple as that, you make that kind of mistake and then you, you, you got a business deal and you're expecting the car to be delivered on, on the fourth of April and it doesn't show up until the eighth. Well, it's a little late already. It's a little <laughs> late, right? I would, I would be, you know, kind of upset at that point. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that's why people get upset with U.S. Americans so much. Well, but that's the only reason. That's it. That's <laughs> yeah. the entire can't reason right there. Can't imagine any. <laughs> other no reason. reasons none <laughs> but the, but but there's a there's a cultural piece to this oh really yeah there surprising. is surprising huh now not everything has a cultural piece I, you know i i think when we That's talk about surprising also when we talk about u.s culture let's you know put the caveat out there the u.s wait I, been... I hold on i have to put the caveat out put the caveat out and let the dog in scratching at the door <laughs> <laughs> that caveat is so annoying but <laughs> you feed them once they come back every time when, when you talk about U.S. culture, you have to recognize that being very, very prominent on the world stage for over almost a full century, the U.S. has affected U.S. policy, U.S. military decisions, U.S. economic decisions, political decisions have affected a great number of people all around the world, for better and for worse. Right. And so people have a lot of feelings about, about the U.S. and U.S. culture. Um. But if you absent all that and just talk about the cultural roots to, to some of these strange behaviors, then you start to get a picture as to why, what it is about U.S. culture that, 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 that makes it unique, just as every culture is unique. Well, if you ask me, the best place to find out those things would be on a show that is called Oops, Your, Your Culture's culture Showing. Show. And you're Tom Peterson. I am. And you are Dean Foster. Indeed. The last I knew, anyway. The last I checked. Okay. <laughs> and, all right. So, and, and I'll, you know who's in the studio with us today? The caveat. The caveat is in here. I'll, let me get him out. Hold on. <laughs> all right. You know who else? And Torin. Torin is Welcome, with us Welcome, Torin. Yes. Thank you. Hello. It's good to have him back in the studio with us, and we're good back in the here. studio and feeling good about it. So, yeah. yeah, so before we went into the introductions here, we were talking about uh, dates and how we either get it backwards or the rest of the world gets it backwards, depending on your viewpoint, I guess. Mm, and right. um, there's a cultural aspect to that, and it developed out of certain aspects that 
that you're going to tell us about right now. Well, I think it's one of the many, many examples about this revolutionary aspect of U.S. culture. That U.S. culture, in order to separate itself from the mothership, which back in the 1700s was was Great Britain, yeah. had to have a revolution against Great Britain, or maybe didn't have to, but did. But we did. We did. And so in the, it developed a mentality of rejecting that which they came from. Yeah. And th- there's even a term for it. <laughs> Believe it or not, it's called rejectionism. No. <laughs> yes. Wow. Who came up with that? That's amazing. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure they got a they got a full tenured professor. I'm guessing Noah Webster might have. Uh... Maybe. <laughs> but it does define an aspect of U.S. American culture, which is rejectionist in 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 its approach to the rest of the world. And the source of this goes back to our rejecting the the the, the British roots in order to become independent. Mm-hmm. And you can see it in, in big decisions, this idea that the U.S. is unique amongst uh, amongst nations on the world. But you can also see it in small little things like how we date our letters and emails. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, or the idea that because uh, at the time, black cats in Britain were lucky, mm-hmm. considered lucky. So in the U.S., well, we can't do that. So we'll consider them unlucky. Mm, okay. You know? <laughs> and bingo, suddenly... And that, that's a real thing, right? I mean, a, I mean, I know thing. black cats are considered unlucky here. Um, and they are considered lucky in Britain, huh? Well, at the time, back in the revolutionary days, yes. It okay. may be less so today because there's a lot of cross-communications at sure, this point, sure. right? Um, the idea, for example, that... And I think we've talked about this in a previous podcast, that, that U.S. Americans, when they dine, typically have this strange habit of cutting the meat with the with the knife on the right hand and putting it down and reaching over and taking the fork out of the left hand and then eating with the right hand again. It's like a very inefficient way to do things. It's probably the only thing that U.S. Americans do that's inefficient. You know? Oh, I'm because sure it is. It's the only yes. thing. Yes. Yes. Yeah, and yeah. fortunately, I don't remember <laughs> us having any... Uh, rejectionist policies in recent years at all. No, no none no, no, whatsoever, no. right? But this this also is rooted in the in a rejection of the European at, at that time it was it was British, but the European way of dining, which was keep the knife in the right hand, keep the fork in the left hand and don't reach over and switch. And the reason we did was because we didn't want to be identified as royalists at the time during the revolution. Mm-hmm. So there was a secret code that was developed in the pubs in Boston. Well, also, yeah, because if, if you were going to be talking to somebody in a pub, you needed to know you were talking to a person who was thinking the way you were, or you could end up in a jail in and trouble at best. Exactly. Yeah. So the secret sign was you put your knife down, you reach over and, and that put became the fork the, in your right hand, in the right hand. That became a symbol of being a Patriot and not a Royalist. And so it carried afterward because the patriotism also, I think most, this is not an uncommon thing. I don't, I don't really think a lot of people in, in the United States recognize how many years the revolutionary war went on. That it wasn't something we we hear dates in the United States about 1775, 1776, and so on, and yet the Revolutionary War went on for several years, and so these types of things get established. 
one could make the case that it's still going on in some form or another. Mm, well, I think it's sort of the basis right. of our government, isn't it? <laughs> Let's get into pretty it. sure. Yes, and this this whole idea of, of having a revolution, and you know, every, pretty much constantly in some form of revolution every four years, or yeah. the whole populist mm. issue, you know, yeah. that that developed over the last four years with Trump, was seen heralded as this. Uh, there were people who were actually saying, "Well, we may not support him, but at least he's." Trying to shake things up. Yeah. Right. And and that was actually seen as a good thing. Right. Now, in other cultures, that kind of attitude is looked on terrifyingly. Right. It's like you would actually do things that for the sake of just shaking it up, even if there's no evidence to prove that what you're suggesting to be done is really going to be beneficial. Mm. And. So this is an I this is an aspect of, of US culture and, and it's it's built right so that's why I say there is a cultural piece to this. Mm, yes. Even something as simple yeah. as how we date. I, our, I will say emails. this. I think that one of the aspects that we're talking about with the US here and 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 with the rest of the world, I think what the world has proven over the millennia of, of humans existing on it is that um, the global culture is that humans can be stupid. <laughs> and um, I think that's pretty consistent. So I don't think we even need to discuss that one. Um, it's it's how. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and thus the cultures. Yes, mm. precisely. And I think... <laughs> what? We've lost oh, him. He's, he's going he's down. down. He's, he's, he's going down. down. <laughs> Mayday. Can, can, can we splice? Can we... Oh, no, no, no. There's no, there's no, there's no editing. I'm, I'm not editing How this. far back do we have to go? <laughs> no, we don't. No, we're not editing. Pick up. No. Just pick up. We'll go from there. <laughs> well, this might be a good opportunity for me to mention that, uh, Dean, I found an article on Insider.com. It's titled, 23 Things That Are Considered Normal in the U.S., But That the Rest of the World Finds Weird. Ah, interesting. Which I think what you're talking about, uh, what the dates... Uh, that was Insider, you said, would fit right? Into Insider yeah, you know, okay. Which would fit into this category. And, yeah. and you know, the fact that there could be an article about this, I think, is 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 very welcome. I'm glad for it. and Because it highlights a, a fundamental rule of managing cultural differences, which is what we're talking about here. Yeah, yeah. You know, you've got to be aware of the fact that what you think is normal... What you think is common sense, quote unquote, may not be to others outside of your culture because your culture defines common sense and normal according to its cultural values. Mm, right. Mm -hmm. And if somebody doesn't share those values, if they come from a culture with different values, then what is normal and common sense for them may not make sense to you. And we've got to always be open. I mean, if we're living in this global world, which we are, and then we always have to be open to the fact that, yeah, what I think is the right way to date an email is just maybe not. Or at mm. least it will be problematic for people when they don't get their car in April and they have to wait until August. So you might be a little, maybe a little more clear in the way you write dates. Mm, right. So yeah. knowing that as a phenomenon, how would you date your email to your colleague in, in Europe? Well, first of all, I would number the day and write out the month. Right. That's what I would do too. Brilliant. That's that's pretty much the solution. And even there. I think we're geniuses. Uh, I, we solved. We're done. <laughs> Good night, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> See, the solutions are not that necessarily no difficult. And it's also the 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 idea that you're talking about. I mean, this is, we're talking about this on a great greater scope right now. But the the idea that 
theirs being different doesn't make it wrong. It also doesn't make it right. That isn't the point, usually. That's right. The point is that it's just the normal for them, and therefore you have to understand that if you're going to be dealing with them. Yeah, and I don't even want to necessarily have the conversations that usually evolve from this, which is that, oh, so you're relativizing right and wrong, or you're, subje- or you're making absolutes uh, into subjective decisions. I don't think so. No, you know, I, no. I, no I, there, you can, and you have every right to decide that things are right and wrong. And if, and if someone else disagrees, you can have hopefully a civilized conversation about that. But the point is that the likelihood of this challenge coming up is far greater when you cross cultures. Sure. And yeah. you have to anticipate that. And with any luck at all, Understand it. Know about it. Know that in Europe they date it differently. Right, and, and, and here are the reasons why. And the reason is because it's actually more logical to do day, month, year than it would be to do month, day, year. Well, it, it, it is to a degree, but when you're brought up with it the other way around, it's not. Mm. Right. And so, I understand why you're saying it's more logical. Absolutely. Because well, day would become before month. Right. And month would mm. become before year. Mm. Now, skip in the other direction and go to Asia. And traditionally, the way we would date things in Asia is you date them year, month, day. Mm. Okay. Because it's the logic there is first you want to know what year it is, mm-hmm. then you want to know what month it is, and then you get down. So you start with the big picture, right. the grand context, and then you work your way down to the final details. Right. It's okay. even the way um, traditionally in, in Asia, and when I say Asia, I'm talking mainly about Chinese cultures and Chinese-influenced cultures in Asia. If you send a package or, or write an address, the address is always the country first, then the town or the, pro- the the province, then the town, then the street, mm. then the apartment, and then the name. Mm. Okay. All right? Because that's how it's going to travel. Actually. That's how it's right. going to travel, First right? The country. Okay, right. now let's, get, let's narrow it down. Right. Yeah. So, you know, there's a logic to it, and the logic in both directions is, quote unquote, right. Yeah. yeah. But if you don't and know it. It makes sense to them. Uh. Right. So when you say, because you can't say, well, that's nonsensical. Believe me, there's plenty of things that are nonsensical. But the the idea that how some one thing is done over another is not necessarily the, the right or wrong. Just doesn't come into play. Yeah, it doesn't come into play. Right. And and maybe Correct. maybe <laughs> it should, and maybe it could. I mean, certainly if you're talking about big serious issues like mm. political and military and social right, well, decisions right, right, that right. nations make, yeah, you may have to make a decision Human that is, th- yeah. this is right and this is wrong. Yeah. But th- that isn't usually the situation you and I find ourselves in. <laughs> no. We're talking about pretty much day-to-day type of living your life type of things, as opposed to making decisions in a situation room somewhere right. about whether we're going to launch <laughs> missiles. Yeah. That's yeah. a that's a totally different subject. Totally different subject. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, we always tell people um who are working with other cultures, look, if you if if you can't if you if you decide that another culture is reprehensible in some way and 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 you cannot abide the way you need to do things there, then you have a decision to make. You can either fight that or you can choose to walk away. But if you choose to do business 
there, if you choose to travel there, then this question of right and wrong cannot come up. Yeah. Because what you can, the only thing you can do is understand. Well, that seems to be something that humans across the globe have, have trouble a problem with. with. Yeah, <laughs> have trouble with it. Overall. <laughs> <laughs> Torrin, there were some yeah. other. There were uh, some. Would you other like to know aspect. some of the things? Yeah. Those three things. Yeah. What was the other thing that they said about? Yes. This and can we make a cultural connection? <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. Or what I, are I we hope, doing? I here? hope so too. <laughs> Uh, well, let me. Uh, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna go through all 23 things here that are considered That's a good again, idea. That are considered normal in the U.S., but the rest of the world finds weird, according to the title of the article. I will also um, put a link to the article in the description of the episode, so you can find it there if you want to look through it. Um, I will go down a list here and pick some out. Uh, I'll start with using money that is all the same color. Well, is there a cultural connection to that? Mm. Well, why? You, you why tell, do we have any idea why we why we do that? Yeah. I mean, uh, well, I think what they're talking about is the fact that in many other cultures, and the the different denominations are more easily recognizable because they're color coded. Right. Right. Um, but I think this is a rather recent development. I don't know if this speaks to anything cultural uh, in in the. Also, fact it has that, to be. It's going to be paper money, so that although everyone alive now would think, well, we've always had paper money, but but we haven't. But in the U.S., the term, and this may be a cultural piece to it, I, I hope I'm not, you know, going too far out on this one. We called it a greenback. And the mm. greenbacks stood for U.S. currency. Yeah. Oh, okay. In yeah. any denomination. Sure. Um, so... Well, I, I think, and, and I, okay. I have no... I have done zero research on this, so... <laughs> Um, this is just the only research I've done is my own impact by using the money. And uh, I just am thinking that it was looked at probably as a money-saving device to not have to change the colors in some mm, way, maybe. which would be very much the United States, which that we would say, look, we've got different numbers on here and different pictures on here. So good enough. Figure it out. You can we can save some money by not having to use a different color, and and yeah, once it got established as being a green to it, mm. it stayed as a green because yeah. now we had names for it. Yeah. yeah, and 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 I can't really imagine that other uh, that this is that, that other countries discuss this as a strange American habit um, or or phenomenon. I think it's different. It's I don't know different. if they look at yeah. it as yes. other than different. they may be looking for the other colors when they come here. Right. And not finding it might them. be a bit confusing, and that could be yeah. confusing because they they have that to guide them, and there and there isn't anything to guide you here. Although I will say this: in more recent paper currency, we have altered the look of of the currency mm. and have added some color to it. So, yeah, some to way, some yeah. degree, we are drifting toward the rest of the world, or at least much of the world, with that now. And, and then there is that annoying aspect of foreign currency that I hear U.S. Americans complain about, which is that it doesn't fit in my wallet mm -hmm. it's it, it's got a strange size to it you yeah know? yeah so we've got to adjust our our wallets i guess accordingly and standards across the board across cultures vary 
I yep. mean, look at what the EU has had to do um, in, over the last 25 years in terms of trying to standardize everything from sockets to how many mm. prongs on an electronic device right. to the the value of a of of a university diploma from a different mm. country just standardization right. standardization cultures. and and there's a, that's a real good good point of with the advent of the EU you had a uh, let's start over moment for much of Europe at least where they could say, "All right, now we're now we're looking at having a constant currency through for for again most of the of the region, and that it is um, so. What does it look like? Because and I mean, I, you want to be in that room and and go through all of that with the different representatives. Actually, a colleague of mine was involved in those negotiations really? many yeah. years ago, and he explained to me that it was one of the reasons why on the euro coins. They had different country designations. So you had different famous sites mm. on the, you know, you had the Acropolis on the Greek Euro coin, sure. and you had the Eiffel Tower on the the French, etc. Um, to to give it some sort of national home, a, a little bit of nationality. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah sure. Yeah. yeah, but you know, interestingly, here too, it, with U.S. culture, you see rejectionism in terms of the uh, in terms of the way uh, um, numbers denominations i'm thinking of when you write out um numbers uh, of of dollars or or any kind of currency the way it's written because again in europe and because of the rejectionism of anything european in europe you would separate let's say 10,000 would be written as 10 zero dot zero, 00 and and if you needed more you would have a comma Mm-hmm. And then the final two zeros, but in the U.S. we reverse the comma and the full stop or the period, as mm-hmm. we call it, mm-hmm. because the Brits called it a full stop. So, so even that inversion of the comma and the full stop was a rejectionism of European ways of doing things. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, and and. We we also one of my favorites, I think, and I'm gonna I'm gonna pick on the Brits here a little bit on this with, but the um, it's not really picking on them. I'm just using them as an example of something different. Is is the 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 way out signs as opposed to exit, which is in the United States, and it's a. <laughs> I always found the way out signs during the '60s in England. I think <laughs> it was way very out cool. Would have been mm-hmm. very, very cool. Very cool. Yeah. yeah, great thing to have. <laughs> nice. Yeah, <laughs> I, I just wanted one for my, you know, for my college dorm room. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And all of the different isms that go on between British English and oh, sure, and plenty. US American English. And we've right. done some of those, and we could probably do about three weeks of a podcast many of which are based on rejectionism uh, sure yeah, yeah. yeah. Sure. i mean why do why do you, in the u.s do we drive on the right mm. it was because we were rejecting the idea of driving on the left there no. was there was other side yeah, <laughs> yeah just the other side <laughs> yeah yeah and also because it's right ah sure <laughs> sure <laughs> yeah <laughs> check check your assumptions at the door this is no no it's right the right side. Oh, you're so fast. Yeah. This is why. This is why you do what you do. That is true. This that is, is why. Torin, mm. give us another comedian? one. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I got another one. Wait a minute. Did, did, what were they talking about? That the, the, what 
what non-U.S. Americans find strange about U.S. and yes, and and there was something about um, the the doll the doors on the public bathroom stalls. Was that? I believe. Yeah, let me find that. Yeah, here we go. Uh, putting giant putting giant gaps in between bathroom stalls. Is there a cultural thing to this? In between I... bathroom stalls, I there might be. I would like to know what it is. First of all, bathroom stalls are, I would say, a relatively new um, creation in the in the um, in in cultures. It's not because how did they? How, when did public bathrooms start to really crop up? I mean, I, I'm I don't know. I'm not I'm not saying this because I'm now going to enlighten you with wonders of why public bathrooms were invented and so on because I don't know any of that. Yeah. But it seems to me that back in the day public bathroom was over there by that tree. Well, back in the day they were public bathrooms, right? So if you're talking about public bathrooms today, you have to consider that where were where were these things built when we had the technology to do it. Yeah. I'm guessing public schools and other public facilities. And and I think because they were public facilities, certainly in a public school, you want to be able to make sure that you can get into those stalls if you need to and break up whatever's whatever's going, going on. on in there. Right? Okay. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And I, that yeah. may be very well be it. I mean, it just may be a matter of convenience for management because i do find it counterintuitive to a much stronger tendency cultural tendency in the us toward individualism and privacy well right sure so i mean if if i were to go with just that i would be surprised that we have right. this acceptance of of basically non-private space yeah. non-private space in 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 a public facility well then we used to have to but then we have to start talking about urinals and uh, creations like that, which are l- not private at all. And um, so that's okay. Because the public space is an institution, and institutions have to be... And there have been many forms of that type of uh, place for men to urinate. Yes. <laughs> and, oh, well, That was trippingly <laughs> off my tongue. Got there eventually. And... <laughs> Any kind of public institution, not ha- drippingly. That was trippingly. <laughs> Tri- <right there>. <laughs> <laughs> Any kind of public institution has got to be managed slash policed. Yes. Well, yeah. And where are you putting public bathrooms? You're putting them in places where the public gathers. Exactly. And in those places, if it's a store, you run into things like are people taking things in there and then mm. walking out yeah, with that's them? That's probably where it comes from. But, okay. But you know, proving the hmm. proving the rule is often by you often do it by looking at the opposite. So let's now go in the opposite direction and say, okay, so those may be all the reasons why it is the way it is in the states, but why is it not that way? In good let's question. Say, in, in in and I think these comments are probably coming out of uh, coming out of Europe. Um, why do we have stalls that do provide that kind of privacy more likely than not in Europe? I, I have no idea. And I think the cultural reasons here uh, could be interesting. If there's a cultural connection, and I may be st- going, s- right. maybe stretching it. out here, but I think it has to do with the difference between the egalitarian 
aspect of U.S. culture and the hierarchical traditions of European cultures. Okay. So if you could afford it, if you had the um, the status and and resources that usually go along with status, to have the the technology of the day a toilet for yourself. Mm -hmm. You could make it and should make it as private as possible. Mm. All right. Well, but in the U S the whole egalitarian notion, when we're putting in these public toilets in the 1850s and and 1900s is that it's all going to be the same for everybody. Mm -hmm. There are no Kings and Queens here. Right. Right. And, um, the overriding concern is we got to police this, public institution i think so i think one because mm. one of the things that is in this culture is also a sense of the rabbles going to use this that is not the same rabble as they think of in, in europe let's say well because if you could afford that kind of technology you were the king of france right and therefore you were private right so it didn't it, it didn't even come up here we're going look anybody can use this so but that means you know you're gonna get those people using it whatever fill in your blank for what that means and so they want to be able to check it out and make sure that things are are okay. Here, that that's right. That's right. I, I think that's where there is a cultural connection on this point. At this point, instead of twenty three things, I think we're probably going to get through two or three things. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, I've got so, another one. Okay, we're ready. Yeah. All we're, right. We're, we're, I think we aced that one. So let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> the next one is taking leftover food home from a restaurant. <laughs> I, I remember. Well, does that mean taking your own leftover food or somebody else's from a, another table? <laughs> yes. Okay. I mean, I often take somebody else's food. Sure. Yeah. And, and are they making the statement that that uh, non-U.S. Americans find this habit uh, strange? That incredibly they, strange and even cons- even considered rude. It says. Mm-hmm. Huh. Well, you know, I the, the egalitarian notion of I paid for it, so it's mine, and if I didn't finish it at the table, I'm going to take, take it home. home. Right. Absolutely. And have it, and have it cold oh, for that, breakfast. Oh, I think that's very real. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But, but There's also if, a waste-not-want-not type of, uh, of attitude. And if you go to the restaurant in, in Europe, then you're putting yourself at... Um, you're doing so because you want the what that restaurant can produce for you. You want the experience. You are at the mercy of the chef, the wait staff, and you make the choice to go there because you know what you're going to expect. Mm-hmm. And therefore you are expected to finish everything on your plate. Mm. And if you don't, it's kind of insulting and rude because it means you didn't like it or you're finding something objectionable about it. Um, I'm gonna. I'm it's gonna. It's not throw in... seen as something that you're gonna then take home and enjoy again elsewhere. Right. Mm. Right. I'm also gonna say that I think another. I, I would imagine another couple things come into play. One of them being the plentiful aspects of of what this country has produced, the United States has produced over the years in in amounts of food and things the abundance yes issue. <laughs> so that when you're going to a restaurant here i mean to some people the amount you're going to get piled on the plate is as important as the quality of what you're getting put on the plate so it's the quote-unquote hot and a lot hot and a lot <laughs> right. and, and therefore you're you're you've got leftovers well, and here too is a distinction culturally between the traditions in Europe and yes. the traditions in the states because you're not going to get those quantities in the states the tradition is quantity 
as opposed to quality for most people most of the time. It's a mass society and an egalitarian society. And there's a sign of, of value to the idea that you can provide that amount of quantity. That everybody can have it hot and a lot. Right. Right. In Europe, the hierarchical traditions, which were rejected by the U.S., mm-hmm said, no, 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 it's going to be about quality focus, but recognizing that quality is costly and quality is only within the reach of certain people mm-hmm. with resources and status. And you go back, you know, into the feudal ages, you're talking about only the elites, but even today, only the elites, except the elites have, a, have take a different form. Mm-hmm. So if you, if you can, the idea of quality at a cost, mm-hmm. as opposed to quantity, at, at a cost meaning quality for a few, as mm. opposed to quantity for all. But quality is secondary, and in Europe, quality is first, and mass is secondary. And therefore, you're getting smaller portions, which means the concept of finishing everything as because not doing so, as you mentioned before, could be considered rude, it becomes a lot easier to accomplish than when you have servings that are just not uh, human, humanly <laughs> consumable right. by most of, of human creatures. <laughs> so in, to some degree in those situations in the United States, I think you're looking at it rude maybe if you didn't take it home. I remember when I was in college, if I went out to a meal, I would take all the bread in the bread basket home with me. Well, sure. And, and, including the, the little chowder crackers and whatever else. You, <laughs> and the whatever little pads else you of butter, butter also. Butter. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, the butter is real good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Something to eat. Yeah, yeah sure. All right, I got uh, one more for you. Yeah, we're, that's good, because I and, think we're on uh, our last one. Here. It's sort of related to uh, hot and a lot. It's a hot one, maybe. <laughs> I'm, I'm a little frightened. <laughs> I hope it's not a lot. <laughs> Wearing swimsuits to the beach. Huh? Wearing swimsuits to the beach. As opposed to going As opposed naked. to not. As opposed to going naked. Well, I think... Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna step up here and say that I think oh. that there. Yeah, I'm gonna step. Up. I'm taking off my clothes up. right oh, now. Oh no! Um, no, I'm I'm just going to say that I don't think throughout the rest of the world that the going naked to the beach is a is is all, necessarily all that common. I think it in certain forms, topless maybe in certain areas, but in other areas that are highly religious or mm-hmm. um, conservative. I think that it's maybe even less so than it is in the United States. Sure, sure. How am I doing there, Dean? I think you're absolutely right. I think for the majority of the rest of the world, people would not show up in public on the beach nude in in today, um, in in metropolitan areas or modernizing nations. No, I mean you'd have to go to traditional cultures and indigenous cultures to see. Um, to see that, and and that that is not that's not the majority. Um, I I think what we are, what the article is picking up on, and I think it's a again it's a European yeah. versus U.S. distinction, yeah. is that continental Europe, um, it does not have the Puritan values mm-hmm. that America, um, that the U.S. Um, brought with it. In its really founding, was founded on. Was yes. founded on, right? Yeah. So, in, in a strange way, the rejectionism of the U.S. rejected 
what was viewed at the time as not Puritan enough British values. Mm. Because it was the Puritans who left Britain, if you remember the history, um, seeking a place where they could be as conservative as they needed to be, because they couldn't be in Britain. Right. So they found that place in the U.S., and there's a strong strain of Puritanism still that runs through American culture. culture. Yes. So we're not going to let people take their clothes off on the on a public beach that's just not not unless it is specifically designated for that yeah and that's and that's the that's the um the odd event it's not yeah. common oh yes there's far far fewer uh possibilities for that than there are uh, otherwise right yeah. I- exactly yep. but you know i i would say that one of the things that i know and i don't know if the article mentions this or not but one of the things that that i know that um Americans do that is a little mystifying and annoying to many other um, non-U.S. Americans is the fact that we use the term American mm. uh, or America to describe the, the U.S. as a country. And I think we may have mentioned this in the episode that we did on Latin America and, and Brazil. Yeah, yeah, I think so. We talked know. about that. Yeah, yeah I mean... But, and I think I said something then, too, that I that I do believe with that. And, and, and as far as referencing the country as america i think that's that's uh that's a that's a poor choice on our part i think that uh because obviously there is all of the americas which are part of the continent and they're all the people living there are american well th- true but the difference there when i think you call us americans is that we're from the united states of america so tell me what else you would call us you would, I think, want to refer to yourself as someone from the U.S. No, that's not what I'm asking. I want to know a name, a nickname for us. If you're a, if you're, if you're a Briton, if you're French, what are we then? U.S. American. Mm, okay. <laughs> and I think it gets shortened to American. I think I'm going to fight that one. I'm going to I'm going to hold out on. But that one. when others are offended in the shortening process, you can't do it. Well, but if they're offended for something that I think we have a, a purpose from behind it, then I think it's time maybe for them to understand that. And we're not trying do. to diminish Mexicans or Canadians uh, or any. Well, of the, the Canadians others by doing it. don't care that we do that. No. <laughs> And let's talk about Canada in another episode. In another episode, <laughs> not today, not today. Well, I we we got a little heated up here. That's good. I like that <laughs> little conversation. Um, so, but but we are going to wrap this one up for now. We've got plenty more on that list that we can uh, hit at another time. Um, yeah, maybe. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, or not. But the moral of the story. Oh, is there a moral to it's this It's a story? cultural moral. How puritanical of you. <laughs> That's <Yeah>. true. <laughs> I never claim to be otherwise. Oh, well. <laughs> Even immigrants. I did see you at that nude beach, but we won't talk about that one. <laughs> what were you doing there? <laughs> well, I don't know. <laughs> There's a moral to the story. Oh, that's what I was talking about. Oh, okay. Right. <laughs> He's the back. Mo- the moral of the story <laughs> is what is the moral? I have no, oh, no. idea. Oh, jeez. <laughs> well, with that being said, thank you, Tor. Sure. And uh, and thank you, Dean, for your insights and your morality. <laughs> As always. <laughs>
Our moral compass. True North, that's me. Honestly, I think you just represented the U.S. morality right there quite well. We're not quite sure what the heck it is. So, yes, send your cards and letters to... Does anyone do cards and letters anymore? By the way, I do want to make out that point that the... uh, that the currency thing is something that is not a big deal anyway because nobody's using money anyhow. Yeah, exactly. That's so it's <laughs> So how could it possibly be a big deal for anyone? It's not. It will be a very small deal in the next 10 years. So, that's right. <laughs> um, but that's another cultural aspect, right? Yes. Sure it is. That's for the next time. <laughs> for the future. Maybe. So uh, you're Dean Foster. And glad to be back and glad to be here and looking forward to talking about all things cultural, because you're going to leave me hanging here without even an introduction, right? You're not even going to say my freaking name. You're just going to take it for you, and you're not going to share it with me. We said that, you, we said that before. I just, we sign off yeah, with the conclusion. Yeah. I said thank you to Torin. I said thank you to you. <laughs> and that throws it to you, and then you throw it back to me. You mention my name. And we sign out of the podcast. Getting heated again. Well, didn't you just do that? <laughs> I got to put my clothes back on. <laughs> please do it. Please step down. <laughs> put your pants on. All so, right. All right. So, so. Well, I'm Dean Foster. Oh, great. Now you're taking that part. <laughs> and you're Tom Peterson. <laughs> I was when we started. I'm not sure now. <laughs> Uh, and this is Oops, Your Culture's Showing. Oh, man, smell ya. Okay, listen, the way to get hold of us is oopscultureshow at gmail.com. And our Twitter handle is Oops Culture Show. Whether this is the first episode or the third episode or whatever episode that you've listened to, you should really subscribe. That's the best way to go, really. Honestly, I know what I'm talking about. All right, so just subscribe through iTunes or through wherever you get your podcasts from. Subscribe. Thank you.